0: This episode is in collaboration with the Chicago Review of Books, a publication of Story Studio Chicago that includes book reviews and interviews across a wide variety of genres. The publication is volunteer-run and a labor of love. I personally have been writing for the Chicago Review of Books for a little over a year now, and I love the experiences that have come with it, the opportunity to hone my reviewing skills and to promote books I care about to a wider audience. If you want to check out our content, go to chireviewofbooks.com, C-H-I, and keep an eye out for future collaborations between the Review and the Your Favorite Book podcast. week's guest is the author of Arsenic and Adobo, Mia Pia Manansala. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. It's great to have you on the show. You are the first mystery writer I've had on the show and also the first person to recommend a mystery book to discuss on the show, so I'm very excited about exploring this new genre with you. Great, yeah. Mysteries are my fave, so... Looking forward to this chat. And so um, for everyone who may not be familiar with you and your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, Filipino-American born and raised in Chicago. Um, Arsenic and Adobo is my debut novel. It is a culinary cozy mystery. Um, For those of you who are not familiar with that subgenre, cozy is basically like the hallmark of mysteries, right? Um, (laughs) You know, I I wrote a book my mom could read, basically. And like the like the 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 entire premise of this book basically is like cozies are like rom-coms with dead bodies. Right. They're light. They're humorous. There's no graphic violence, sex swearing on the page or anything like that. So um, and this one kind of follows like, again, basic like rom-com tropes. It's, you know, a young Filipino-American woman born and raised in a small um, fictional Midwestern town. She escapes to Chicago, is living it up. Um, her love life kind of crashes and burns, so she runs back home to kind of lick her wounds and also like help revitalize her family's restaurant. Um, but while there, she runs into her high school sweetheart, who is their, you know the town's extremely vindictive uh, food critic. And he has like the gall, like the bad taste to die in her aunt's restaurant. And of course <laughs> she's the main suspect. And um, so it's her throughout the book. It's basically her trying to clear her name and also save the reputation of her family's restaurant.
0: I really love that phrasing. He has the gall to die in her <laughs>
1: restaurant. Cause that's really how it felt.
0: reading character. <laughs> When he dies, I was like the nerve of you. Like, <laughs> so I really love that. And like, after all he put them through that and yeah. you're going to do that too. Just like, oh. yes. Oh gosh. It was the worst. And, I, I love the specification of culinary cozy mystery because I feel like that's a genre that's become popular lately. I mean, there's just mm. so many books I've seen out there that, you know, follow those mystery tropes, but they, they've they got like the small town restaurant or the bakery and there's the recipes mm. in the back, which I was so happy to find recipes in the back of your book. <laughs> that was so great. Um, and, but I feel like yours brings a totally different lens on this, which we're going to talk about, you know, some much needed perspective that you bring to this Mm -hmm. type of book. And so um, before we get into the book in a little more detail, I want to ask you, you know, this book is about to hit shelves. You know, I'm already seeing it everywhere. (laughs) Like people are getting it for book of the month. So I'm already seeing it on social
1: media. (laughs) How does this all feel to you? It is wild. Um, 'Cause yeah, April's like the month, you know, because like, it's the month before I release. So like everything's like really publishing is a lot of like hurry up and wait, but like, you know, you'll you'll do nothing, you're heal nothing for months, and then suddenly everything is in and you're like, Hey, can I get this like tomorrow? And it's just like, ah so <laughs> and you know, like I you know, this is it's it's you know, let's be sappy, but like this has been my dream, you know, and it, it's so unreal that it's happening and like it, you know, even good things can be overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, like you said, like it was chosen for Book of the Month, which is, like, so surprising. You know, it was one of those, like, bucket list things, but I never imagined my book would be chosen because, you know, they don't usually choose, like, Cozy Mysteries for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have been tagging me on Instagram and posting all these beautiful Pictures and lovely reviews, and I'm just like, oh, I'm getting like emotional. You know, every time I go on Instagram, it's so strange. It's really, it's it's something because I mean, it's such a beautiful
0: cover. Like that's such an arresting cover, and you want that that cover all over Instagram. (laughs) As someone who's trying to break it into, you know, having those eye-catching books, like that's a book you want to show off, and. It's it's just, you're right, because I'm thinking about Book of the Month and what they cater to, and you don't often see a lot of cozy mysteries there. It's usually a lot more niche, but here you've broken out into the mainstream.
1: I mean, that's the hope,
0: right? (laughs) That's the dream. Absolutely. We're going to wait and see. I mean, by the time this episode is out, your book will be out there in the world, but right now it's that big waiting game, which
1: Mm. I'm excited
0: for for you. And so um, was this your debut book?
1: Yeah, this is my debut. It's the... Uh, it's the first in a series Uh, it's going to be a three book series but yes this is the first one got it yes and that that's
0: what I was wondering because I'm like this this much buzz and this much excitement as a debut I mean I can only imagine it must be surreal
1: (laughs) yeah it's Especially for, a co- because, you know, it's, it's so, it's strange to put it this way, but like cozy mysteries are not, is not like one of the sexy genres, you know, mm-hmm. like a, like a, like a psychological suspense or a thriller or domestic, you know, those are the ones that get like the big, but, you know, marketing campaigns and the push and things like that. Um you know, like the murder she wrote type books, which is what basically the field I'm in. Like those are not usually the ones that get that kind of attention. So I've been been so lucky. Like I'm not, like this is not me being humble. I am genuinely just like so pleased that like, how things have turned out and I'm so grateful to my team that has been pushing this for me it's it's just been really great
0: I I'm just so excited for you because I've liked cozy mysteries here and there I've read a few in the genre before like obviously I like some of the classics like Miss Marple books and things like that but some of the modern cozy mysteries I've always felt that there was something missing in them for me uh Mm -hmm. yours you know it has all of those Uh, tropes that we love, like you mentioned, you know, coming back to a small town, the nosy cast of characters, these like small businesses, the recipes, it adds it has all that which I wanted. But your book answered what was missing for me. And it's like, where are the people of color? And here they are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, very much. I mean, like, I love cozy mysteries. You know, my mom is the one who got me into the genre, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those it's one of the few things we have in common. So I read them. So we have something to talk about. But like, you're right, you know, especially, you know, in the it's getting better now, especially mm-hmm. Berkeley, the publisher I'm at, they are making a huge push to release um, more. We're calling them like millennial cozies, mm-hmm. uh, cause like I'm a millennial, you know, it's so like that you're like, we need like a younger readership, you know, we need to start appealing to, you know, people of color and things like that. So I wrote the like, I genuinely wrote the book I always wished I could find on the shelves.
0: Absolutely. That, that's the thing. I, I've quoted this before in other episodes. It's, I believe, paraphrasing Toni Morrison, like if you see the mm-hmm. book, you don't, you see a book you want to read, you have to write it sometimes. And mm-hmm. I really feel like you you did that for, for yourself, I'm sure for other Filipino Americans, as well as just for people in color in general, like myself. I mean, I was really happy to see they see characters in your book having their own arcs and their own narratives like you must have written the most diverse small town I've ever seen
1: <laughs> I mean it's one of those things where like I'm sure someone is gonna have something to say about it but like honestly like if you are a member of a marginalized group Usually, in in a, like a, you know, outside of a majority, like you tend to band together mm-hmm. because you know, like for comfort, for safety, for things like that. You know, because people are always like, oh, how are these brown people? It's just like, well, because we seek out other brown people. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone you know is gay. It's like, well, because queer people seek out other queer people to because it's it's safer. You know. Yes. So it's one of those things that's like so you can have you know a 100% white book and that's totally believable Mm -hmm. but the fact that like 80% of my book is brown or or or, are people of color that's unbelievable for some reason exactly exactly and plus like I don't think
0: people are coming to correct me if I'm wrong here I don't think people Mm -hmm. are coming to cozy mysteries for gritty realism right yeah like like, you can create a reality that you want to see in a way like you want to surround Mm -hmm. yourself with the type of characters you want and the type of town environment you want like the town you create here with just all Mm -hmm. of these wonderful casts of characters I think that's one of the things I liked most about your book is it is character first Um, Mm -hmm. and the mystery is part of the book obviously but you really focus on building these characters first Leela you know Mm -hmm. she has her own arc uh, separate to the overall mystery. She has her own narrative and you can easily mm-hmm. see how this is going to be a three book series. There's just stories that these characters have yet to explore. And I think that just makes this accessible, even if you're not a big cozy mystery reader.
1: Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I mean, first of all, like, yes, like it's, this is a fictional Midwestern. It's called shady palms, <laughs> Illinois people. I mean, come on, you know, like obviously I was not going for realism. I was, I was going for a certain feel. Right. right. Um, And then that is, you know, what you said, like that's, It was my hope, and that's what I've generally been enjoying. Like, I've been seeing people who are just like, I'm not really a mystery fan, but, like, this this sounds really cool. Let me see. Or, you know, like, I've never read a Cozy before, but there's a Filipino character, and I've never seen that, so Mm -hmm. I have to pick it up, you know? Uh, you know and other people are just like I love that dog so I'll pick it up like you know what whatever just pick it up please <laughs> whatever brings you to a book and
0: I I know the title for me was just super eye-catching you know it's drawing upon those old titles you know arsenic and old Rays, and bringing in something really new and fresh and I always wonder, you know, about creating titles to books, like, did you have the title first did the title come to you later? How did that happen?
1: The title came super late. This was actually not its original title. Um, when I queried it, even when I sold it, it had a different name. Um, and I, like I'm so mad because like, what? like this should have been first. Like it was so much better. So like when I queried and sold it, it was um Love, Lost and Lumpia. Mm-hmm. Which is you know, it still had like the Filipino food name. Um, but my editors said it didn't have a strong enough mystery feel, and I agreed, you know, like if I saw that title, maybe it'd be like, you know, women's fiction or some sort of you know, woman's emotional journey involving food. And I was like, okay, no, you're right. And then we um, and then they suggested something, and I was like, no, <laughs> but like, but I mean, I didn't say it, but I was mm-hmm. just like, let me show you this literal word document I have with all these different brainstormed titles Mm -hmm. and then and then you know and they chose the one they liked the best and i was just like yeah you're right why didn't i think of that like i already had it in a document why didn't i go with it but you know it was roundabout but it we 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 settled on the right title in the end
0: right i mean i like love loss and lumpia but i agree that this one definitely has more of that mystery appeal and with Mm -hmm. that cover and everything it just Goes together so well. Although, you know, if you wrote a different book called Love, Loss, and Lumpy, I'd be interested in that too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm talking that away, right? Like, it can be used later. <laughs> you
0: can use it, absolutely. And so, I want to come back to something we talked about. And it's like you were wanting to write the book that wasn't out there. Can mm-hmm. you speak to being a writer of color in the mystery genre? I mean, I'm not familiar with the mystery genre. A lot of the mainstream books I tend to see are, you know, white writers. You say, you know, mm-hmm. it's starting to get better, but can you speak to kind of your experiences in that
1: space? It, it's one of those things. So, like, I f- first started seriously writing, like, as in trying to finish a book and then eventually find representation, and get published back in 2015. Um, and at the time, I really wasn't aware of much of the diversity, in, you know, because... It, at that time I wasn't part of the writing community. So like, I didn't know people who knew people. So like, I only knew the books that were getting pushed, you know, the ones that get the buzz, the ones you see, you know, in stores with, you know, facing out and things like that. So obviously it was like the big writers and the big writers were usually white. Um, But then, um, so even though this is my first book that's, that's sold, I had another book that I had finished and had found representation with before. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, uh, it had a, a queer Filipino-American protagonist solving a murder mystery at a comic book convention. Hmm. Um, and that book, it won, um, it won a grant, and, uh, like a fairly prestigious one for uh, like a mystery convention. And while I was there, I gave a speech and it caught the attention of um, a fabulous writer named Kelly Garrett, uh, like a black woman writer in the mystery field. And she is part of a mentorship program so she took me under her wing and um, and kind of like really made me part of not, not just the mystery community, but helped open my eyes to see that there's like there is there are crime writers of color. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just they don't usually get the marketing. You know, they don't get the push. And so it's not that we're it's not that we're not there. It's that we're a little bit harder to find. You know, um, you have to dig a little deeper, you have to know people who can like, uh, recommend these kinds of things to you. So um, the the reason I bring her up, other than the fact that she had a huge impact on my career, is that she's one of the co founders, her Gigi Pandian and Walter Mosley, co founded a group called Crime Writers of Color, Hmm. so that we could all kind of come together and have a place where we can, and it's for all crime writers of color. So like if anyone listening to this is interested, you don't have to be published. You don't have to be agented. It's really for people of, you know, uh, of all walks in their their writing journey. You know, we share advice, we commiserate, we share opportunities, we shout each other out, we celebrate. So um, there, you know, there's over 200 of us in the group. Um, So again, we're there. It's just publishing is taking a long time to catch up um, with the readership and the demographics and, you know, really recognizing the talent that's there, but we have so many amazing writers in our group.
0: That is so great to hear that, you know, it's, you formed a collective of Writers that are not getting the attention that they need, you know, you've bonded over the fact that you are crime writers of color, and definitely Mm -hmm. listeners, you know, if that's an avenue you're writing in, I know I have a lot of writers listening to this show. If that's an avenue you're looking in, that definitely sounds like a great place to check out. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i'm always happy to recruit like i'm <laughs> me and kelly are always just like randomly sliding into people's dms if we see them like on twitter talking about their like a mystery book that they're writing we're like hey have you heard of this group called crime writers of color yeah? <laughs> you know like if you're interested so you know um i'm on social media at mpm the writer feel free to ask me any questions about that i'm happy to you know to guide more people on it's, it's really important to me that we continue to pull people up with us I'm I'm giggling because my initials are also
0: MPM and I almost went with oh. all of my socials and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm also in Chicago and I'm like, I should have let off with that. I'm in the Chicago area too. It's like, hi, neighbor.
1: Yeah. I and mean, I just feel like, you know, like my last name is misspelled and mispronounced so often. I'm like, I'm going to go with my initials just for, just to make sure you can find me. And then after that, I'll make sure you say it correctly. Right. Right. That is so key. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: And so bringing it back to arsenic and adobo for a bit, so the recipes in this book, I want to talk about how (laughs) hungry you made me. And I want to say like, this is speaking as someone who I actually have not tried a lot of Filipino food before. And I I was thinking about, you know, why that is. And I think I was always under the impression that it's a very meat heavy cuisine and I'm a vegetarian, but there's Mm -hmm. a whole lovely scene in which an entire vegetarian meal is made. And I'm like, I need to find this. I need to eat this. This sounds
1: so good. <laughs> I always assumed it was meat heavy too, but I assumed that it was because, so like in my family, my father was the cook. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, not a great cook, bless her. Um, and she's a very picky eater. Hmm. So when my dad would cook, he was trying to satisfy, you know, he was trying to get her to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in my head, like Filipino food is meat and rice of various kinds. Uh, and, and it wasn't until I got older and started doing more research and learning about more things. I was just like, oh, no, just in our house because mm. mommy doesn't like vegetables, you know. <laughs> so like so like research, researching that scene was actually a lot of fun because um, I actually know a couple of like vegan Filipinos where I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's intense. So, you know, mm-hmm. so like just trying to see like what kind of recipes they make in their own home and things like that or just researching, you know, like I, I could do with cutting out a little bit of my meat consumption so I finding out ways that I can kind of um, work that into my own cooking it, it was a lot of fun writing that scene
0: yeah and it's it just the, the love of like a small town restaurant and like a family-owned kitchen like I wanted to hang out with Tita Rosie and all of the aunties <laughs> and just it, it just felt very familiar and very homey it felt like being in my grandmother's kitchen I feel like All of us writers of color, you know, if we're children of immigrants, we've got that kitchen memory in some Mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. And that's just gonna speak to you here. And yeah, the recipes in the back of the book, I got so excited. The the different desserts I love to bake. And so the desserts at the back, I was like, oh great, I gotta go find Ube
1: somewhere. Somewhere (laughs) Somewhere's gotta have Ube. (laughs) Yeah, Seafood City. You're in Chicago. You can find it. All right. That that, that (laughs) sounds like a trip. Absolutely. And then
0: so you decided to make this book a three-book series. And so I'm always interested in the perspective of series writers. Did you go into mm-hmm. this project envisioning this, envisioning this as a series? Or was it like, mm-hmm. I'll write one and see where it goes? I want to know how that mm-hmm. all came to mind.
1: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's it's a three-book for now, for- fingers crossed it, it, it like so as in berkeley purchased three books and it's if, if it goes well they might hopefully extend the series oh, um yeah. but um so the way it works especially with cozies is like you they're all they're always series like um but you write them as standalones the idea is that you like there are cozy authors out there that are on book like 27 yeah. <laughs> and you can theoretically walk into the store, buy book 27, not having read any of the others and you are not lost um, because it's not like an overarching story the way it is. And like, you know, like the way like in fantasy or sci-fi, yeah. those are overarching plot lines right they're all connected like i if i pick up book two and i'm mad i don't understand what's happening that's on me right mm-hmm. yep. um but in cozy mysteries it's not that way so i mean book one it, when i'm querying it it's you know i wrote like standalone with series potential but like mm-hmm. knowing that they're usually picked up um at least two books at a time okay. um is the way it works yeah great I,
0: I learn new things all the time from my
1: <laughs> yeah i was thinking that because i'm thinking about the cozy series that i
0: know and i it's like i picked up red velvet murder not knowing i had to read coconut cake and key lime pie and all the yeah. other ones first <laughs> just, just as an example that was, that's the series i always mm-hmm. seem to see on the shelves and it's like yeah i guess it makes sense that these are marketed as cozies but you do kind of want to pick them up sort of one after the other. Although I'm thinking, you know, with the with the relationships we've built in this first book, I'm like, how mm-hmm. do you not read these in order? So I'm interested to seeing
1: these future books and how these all go. Mm-hmm. So that's, oof, man, thank you. So, because So book two is with my editors now. I'm going to have to, like, oh, I'm, that, that edit letter is coming any day. And I'm just, like, <laughs> bracing for it. And I'm also starting book three, right? now, I'm starting to write it. Because these Ooh. things happen way ahead of time. These deadlines are tight. Yep. And, you know, like what you said, it, it's real. Because I want, it's important to me that you do have that. You can pick it up at any time because um, they're supposed to be episodic. Like, again, I keep saying murder. She wrote, cause mm-hmm. I'm just, uh, I'm just an old soul, but like, that's what it like. You can watch any episode of murder. She wrote in any order and you can just follow along. Cause it's meant to be that way. That's how cozy mysteries are. Um, but for me, because the characters matter so much in these books, writing it in a way that it's kind of shorthand to figure out who they are and what their relationships are, but making it so that's not boring, you know, like if you've read book one and book two and book three, and I'm saying the same thing and introducing this person for like the millionth time, so you have to kind of walk that line when you're writing it. Uh-huh. That, that's- you have to make it accessible to the new reader, but yep. you have to introduce just enough new stuff that the, you know, the old reader is just like, ah, something new every time, you know?
0: <laughs> that sounds challenging, but very exciting, <laughs> at least from a reading perspective, it sounds exciting. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I loved most. And I was like, yeah, I can't wait till I get to do that. And now I have to do that. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We
0: could go on about this book. But I want to tell all my listeners, definitely pick up Arsenic and Adobo. I definitely was in the mood for a book like this. And it definitely satisfied it'll make you hungry it'll intrigue you you'll fall in love with some of these characters it was really a joy
1: to read thank you so much and you know it was it was so much fun to write there's just like so much darkness lately Mm. that I just I needed some some light some fluff some happiness Um, you know there's some dark moments but overall you know it's a breezy read I hope
0: yes absolutely and then Turning it over, you know, staying with the mystery genre but taking things in a bit of a direction. I want to talk about this book you chose for the rest <laughs> of our episode, *The Westing Game* by Ellen Raskin. And so, I'd heard of this book before. You know, it's one of those middle grade classics. It's been around for a while, but I hadn't read it before, and so I was excited to finally crack into this. And so, um, if you're unfamiliar with this book, I'm going to provide a brief summary. We're going to do our best to avoid spoilers. But in mm-hmm. this book, 16 neighbors are brought together by the will of millionaire Sam Westing. He has named these t- these people his heirs and announces that they must pair up and use a series of clues to unravel the name of his killer in hopes of inheriting his $200 million fortune. And mm-hmm. so it's such an interesting book. And so Mia, I'm interested in knowing, you mm-hmm. know, can you tell me
1: a little bit about when you first picked up this book and the kind of impression it had on you? I, I can't even remember, honestly. Like I, you know, I must have been a kid. I and like I've always been into mysteries. Um, like I didn't always know I'd be a mystery writer, honestly. But like mm-hmm. I knew that I've always been into the genre. You know, back from like Encyclopedia Brown and all that. And I can't remember when I picked this up, but it was just so different. Like it, it's an old book. I think it was probably, like you know 1978. Yeah. So like if those for those of you who are picking up for the first time, like warning, there's some dated language um it like in my opinion i read it recently to 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 make sure that we can talk about so like it holds up as a story but some of the language is dated so just you know forgive me for that (laughs) i I didn't think about that when i was making this um recommendation Mm -hmm. um but i was just so intrigued because there were just so many different points of views that all sounded very distinct and i love Puzzles like I like logic games. So it's such like a like a ridiculous premise. Yep. You know, like this old dead guy who kind of like they're all connected in some way. He kind of like just kind of like almost like he's screwing with them beyond the grave, like just making them dance to his tune. Um, but just watching them because even though the mystery is such a huge part and it really is like a like a logic puzzle. I think, you know, we said earlier about characters. Yeah. This book, that book is about the characters. Yes. Right. They are paired up in ways that make them learn certain things that bring out certain aspects of themselves that help them grow in certain ways. Yeah. Um, Or actually, so... I I use the word grow, but I I want to retract that because um, in the the edition that I have, like there's um, an interview with Ellen Raskin in the back and she specifically says she doesn't like children's books where someone starts in one way and they grow. She likes it where the reader's perspective of a character changes. It's not the character that changes. It's your perspective of that character over the course of the book. And I think that's what happens because it's not necessarily, you know that they change as people but they they become fuller characters as the time goes on in the beginning they're kind of you know like almost like stock characters almost like stereotypes and you're just like oh mia recommended this but as time goes on (laughs) and and you see these different perspectives build you're just like oh interesting okay You've
0: touched on so many things I wanted to talk about with this book. <laughs> so, you, you're absolutely right. This is a book that is a logic puzzle, sort of encased in a book. And I've seen some reviews that kind of talk about this book as like, it's a logic puzzle disguised as a book, which I don't mm-hmm. really think is true. I don't think that's doing this book enough credit because mm. the characters here really are interesting. It's not just a puzzle that you're picking up, it's a puzzle that's anchored in place by all of these different characters who are all in some way essential to how this puzzle is solved and kind of unfolded. I really found it interesting. There were so many little clues and things to pick up along the way. And even though I'm an adult and this is a book meant for kids, like they are <laughs> guessing. like I was still guessing. And every time I thought I figured one part out, like there were three more twists coming and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> um. And so I'm interested in, you said that you reread this. I'm interested in someone who writes mysteries. A book that a book genre mm-hmm. that's like, you know, so bent and you don't want it spoiled. And mm-hmm. what is it like to reread mysteries? Do you feel that all mysteries have reread value? Only some of them do. What do you think about that?
1: I think really well-done ones do because I mean, unless it's so obvious that you all you like you caught everything, you put it all together in yourself. You know, I feel like when it's well done, you reach the ending. It's not obvious. It's inevitable. And then you reread it to catch all those things that you missed before. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, like you you said, like, this is for, you know, like, I've read this before. I've read this multiple times, but even as I was reading this now, like there were so many things I forgot and I was getting, I'm like, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Like, I should know who did this. <laughs> I should remember how it ended, you know, but like, I had so much fun, like trying to catch those clues again and follow it along. Um, Cause, it,
0: Cause yeah, that, that's so true because some of the subtler things, like I had to go back and sort of be like, wait, did I miss something? And mm-hmm. the clues are not only just, you know, solving this puzzle, but like, how these characters are connected to each other is its own Mm -hmm. mystery in a way. And it's all just very interesting. This book was just very, very inventive and interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think as a middle grade read, because I feel like that's kind of where it's geared at, writing a middle Mm -hmm. grade mystery is hard because you don't want to talk down to these readers Mm -hmm. where they're at an age where they want to read, you know, more challenging stories, but you don't want things to go over their head. So, I feel mm-hmm. like it's kind of a similar balance you get with, say, a cozy mystery where you want it to still be intriguing, but you need to avoid blood and guts and
1: horror the way you do mm-hmm. for other genres. so there's that balance you have to strike mm-hmm. yeah and I've so I've been reading a lot of middle grade lately um like I've recently started a job I'm a, I'm a youth services. Uh, that's the assistant at my local library. So like I've been reading a lot of middle grade to kind of, you know, connect to my patrons to make better recommendations. And I recently read um, The Parker Inheritance by Varian Johnson, Mm -hmm. which is a modern update of the Westing game. And so as as I was reading that, which was like so good. Oh. <laughs> it reminded me of my original love for the Westing game, which is like which is why I recommended it uh for this episode. I was like, Oh, that's right. I did love that book. Okay, yeah, I can talk about that. Yeah.
0: Uh. <laughs> I didn't know there was a modern update. Now I know there was a movie, like Get a Clue, mm-hmm. I believe, was based on the Westing game. Mm-hmm. And well, like modern a modern take, should I say? A modern take, yeah. 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 I'm interested in that. I have to go find that now. But <laughs> I think the other thing which you touched on is you talked about some of the dated language in this book, which is, it's true. You know, this book was written in Mm -hmm. 1978. It does show its age in some parts, but at other times it kind of surprised me with some of the subversions that we do see here. So there are Mm -hmm. moments, for instance, I'm thinking of the character of Grace Windsor Wexler, who you love Mm -hmm. to hate. She's just that (laughs) up in Karen-esque woman that you love to hate. And she is outwardly racist towards the the who family who are Chinese. Mm -hmm. And it's clearly shown that she's in the wrong, like her Mm -hmm. little jabs here. It's like, this is clearly wrong. And this is the 70s when anti Asian racism was still seen as okay in so many ways. And so Mm -hmm. a couple times I was like, oh, yeah, like some of these comments, like people would still say these today. And even back then, they're calling
1: them out as wrong. Again, like, you know, for every cringe, there's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it like keeps you guessing. And then you have uh,
0: Judge Ford, who her Mm -hmm. character is interesting. You know, she's got this, you know, she's faced a lot of adversity being a Black woman judge in her standing. And her characterization is interesting. At times, I'm like, are you falling too much into certain stereotypes? or? Mm -hmm. But you're left thinking like, in 1978 this was probably a pretty bold depiction i mean we just barely had any women on the supreme court at all let alone mm-hmm. a black woman in this you know position and so it's it's kind of a weird balance between oh yeah this was the 70s and also like i'll take what i can get you know yeah <laughs> sadly yes <laughs> right i i feel like we've we've grown and changed in some ways but this book overall i just love the characters here were just very interesting the kids hold their own the adults hold their own like mm-hmm. obviously this book you know the kids really shine through it's a book for kids so the kids are really just like they 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 hold a lot of the stage here turtle you know theo mm-hmm. chris doug like they're they're the most interesting figures but the adults have their own arcs and they're not just these totally sort of bumbling adults in the background
1: which is interesting. because like a lot of middle grade, you know, the point is like to get the parents out of the way or yep. you know, not have them around very much. So like how they're incorporated is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. We see the whole dynamics of certain families, like the whole Wexler family, how they're all interacting mm-hmm. with each other. And that that's very true to like any middle grade experiences. How do you interact with your siblings and your parents and things mm-hmm. like that? So I think overall, this was just a really interesting, excellent book and, since you're talking a little bit about, you know, middle grade mysteries and middle grade that you're reading recently, are there other books that you would recommend
1: along this vein? In middle grade? mm mm-hmm. um, Let me see. So I just said, the, so the Parker Inheritance, um, there was, I mean, it's not quite a mystery, but there is a mystery in it. Uh, the hard, It's The uh, the Only Black Girls in Town by Brandy Colbert. Hmm. Um, I recently started reading, I think it's called Midnight at the Barclay Hotel by Flora Bradley. Um, I haven't gotten far in it, but like, it's what I'm enjoying what I'm reading so far. Mm-hmm. And supposedly premeditated Myrtle is supposed to be excellent. Again, it's one of those like it's high on my stack. I haven't gotten to it, but I've heard like rave reviews from uh, about it.
0: Great. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like middle grade is such a hard genre to write. And mm-hmm. I envy people who can do it well because some of the best middle grade books, like you remember those because they 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 make an impact on you when you're a kid and you're mm-hmm. always gonna fondly remember them. But for every great one, you know, there aren't there's some that aren't so so great. It's just such a hard time period mm-hmm. to write in.
1: Yeah. Oh, and from the desk of Zoe of Zoe Washington. So I want to make sure I'm mm-hmm. I'm tossing in some like diverse ones there. Yeah. From the yeah. desk of Zoe Washington, from Janae Marks. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, really, I just, like, literally, like yesterday, finished um, a writing class on how to write a middle grade novel because, you know, I love uh, kid lit, but it's it's tough. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if I have the right the right voice for this, but I am definitely enjoying reading widely yeah. uh, in that age category. And then
0: kind of going along with some other recommendations um, so you, you say you're a big cozy mystery reader. I mean, you kind of have to be mm-hmm. when you're a cozy mystery writer. <laughs> Are there adult cozy mysteries that you really enjoy and would recommend for people that like your book?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like for those of you who like really like the the food aspect, um, Vivian Chen has the, um, the, the Noodle House mystery series. I really mm-hmm. enjoy those. Um, let me see everything more food. Um, Gigi Pandian. Uh, I, I, I know I'm pronouncing her last name wrong. I'm so sorry, Gigi. I think it's Pondian, Gigi Pondian. Um, so like, the, her books are this interesting. Like, they're cozy-ish, there, but like they also walk the lines of like adventure, sometimes paranormal. Hmm. Um, like she has this great like the Jaya Jones series, which is like, um, you know, like like a light-hearted Indiana Jones-esque kind of like adventure mystery kind of thing um she has like the accidental alchemist uh series and she has a new one coming out that like i'm so excited for oh my god i think it's like the astonishing raj is the Mm. the title so she has that thing where it's like it's traditional there's nothing ever gory or anything like that it's not super cozy but it's not you know it, it doesn't like fit super neatly in um other category but if people are familiar with like the Vicky Bliss or like Amelia Peabody series from Elizabeth Peters mm-hmm. there there's some similarity in tone i would say interesting
0: you've expanded my list cuz i realized okay. reading your book it's like i i like cozy mystery i this is kind of mm-hmm. i've been I guess the pandemic has done, I've been craving rom-coms. I've been craving Mm. middle grade. I've been craving cozy mystery. It's just, we need some lighthearted reading in our lives. And I'm usually a fan of these sad, dour, depressing classics. (laughs) And sometimes I just can't do it. I can't do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like what um so another series that's like it's like so light. And I'm not saying that like in a bad way, but like it's it's one of my like I need to just unwind and not think too hard but really enjoy that there's mystery in it. Um VM Burns has like a the mystery bookshop uh mm. series. And it's fun cuz it's a mystery within a mystery because the 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 protagonist uh owns a mystery bookstore. And she's also, like, uh, an up-and-coming mystery writer. Like, she's working on eventually, like, publishing her own mystery. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there is, like, a British historical mystery set inside the actual contemporary mystery of this, like, Black woman who owns, like, a mystery bookshop. So it's oh like, oh, God. I get two for one. <laughs> that sounds so hard to write. I, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Valerie, you cut you two mysteries in one book? Like, you had... <laughs> but yeah they're fun they're they're really really fast reads yes i cannot wait to dig into some of these
0: this is why you all listen to the show everybody every time we have someone representing a new genre like you're gonna have so many new books to read and that's what i'm grateful for and i know thinking about i always try to bring in a recommendation of my own i haven't read a lot of cozy mysteries but i have read a lot of middle grade books at least i did back when i was a kid and when I think about a middle grade mystery that I fell in love with when I first read it and I still love it to this day. I've reread it a bunch of times. I think of a book called Chasing Vermeer by Blue Bellier. Uh, oh, the art heist, right? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love. It. This book came out in 2005, so I was literally middle grade when it came out. I was 10 years old and it blew my mind. Just this art heist solved by like twelve year olds. It was like my dark, <laughs> like like I didn't know about dark academia or whatever as an aesthetic. And then I read this book, and I'm like, there it is. There's my aesthetic. <laughs> it's it's so good, and it it doesn't talk down to its reader like there's puzzles Mm -hmm. in the book like you can enjoy this book as a grown person or as a 10 year old kid and get something new out of it I think there are three books in the series I really only remember the first one but that's just a classic here and some of the puzzle aspects of the Westing game really did remind me of Chasing Vermeer just Chasing Vermeer (laughs) taught me so much about art and I never knew
1: I cared about art so that was cool (laughs) Wow, I never thought of like chasing Vermeer. I was like, it's dark academia, but okay, I, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's in the new <laughs> Chicago.
0: Like, oh, we're back to Chicago again. Like, it takes place on the yeah. Chicago <laughs> campus, and like in these like you know basements, and they're getting all the dusty art, and they go to like this fancy school, and they have classes at the art institute, and I'm like, oh man, this is what I wanted as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> And so, Mia, before we close out today, can you tell us a little bit about where we can find you or we can find your book?
1: Yeah, sure. So as I said earlier, um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at MPM The Writer. You can also check out my website. Um, It's MiaPManansala.com. It's a little bit harder to spell, right? Um, There'll be a link. (laughs) And and, um, my book is, um, well, it will be available wherever books are sold on May 4th. It's so exciting. Oh
0: my God. It's we're less than a month away. We're counting it I down. <laughs> we will have links to buy the book when this episode is up and running. You can you know check out Amazon if you must, but your local
1: indies, you know, we always promote that. And mm-hmm. oh yes, yeah. If you order from um uh, like I'm in Forest Park, like just outside of Chicago, so my local mm-hmm. indies are Centuries and Sleuths and the Book Table. If you order from those, you can get signed, personalized copies and some free swag while uh, supplies last.
0: Ah, d- <laughs> my Chicago <laughs>
1: listeners
0: take her up. On it. <laughs> Centuries and Sleuth- so I live in the suburbs, so I haven't been to all of the bookstores in the city yet. It's like I, I'm recently new to the area again, and I'm like I was meaning to hit them all up, and then the pandemic happened, so it's like. Once I can get back on the Metro, I am hitting up all those stores. I cannot wait. <laughs> and so, Mia, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to read your book and to chat all things mystery. And best of luck with this release.
1: Thanks so much for having me. This is so much fun. I love spreading the gospel of mystery and middle grade and, and diverse mystery especially. So...